So they're just about everywhere. Uh, you may not notice them. They are, are just kind of that invisible part of the driving experience. But uh, guardrails are there for when you need them. And when you need them, we're glad that they are there. A guardrail is a system designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas. You generally find guardrails in, in one of three places. You find them on, uh, on the edges of bridges so that you don't fall over into the great abyss. You find them uh, oftentimes uh, in a median so that you don't cross over into oncoming traffic or they don't cross over into you. You, you oftentimes find them on curves where there's just unexpected uh, changes in direction. Guardrails are there to protect us and direct us. And you might have noticed that guardrails are, are never placed in the danger zone. They are always placed in the safety zone. Now, it could be argued that, that we're taking up some space in the safety zone with a guardrail. I could have gotten closer to the edge if it weren't for that guardrail there. But nobody argues with the logic that we want the guardrail in the safety zone, not into the danger zone. Guardrails, you may know, are designed to minimize damage. They minimize damage if we stray from the places that we're supposed to be. There, there may be damage to the vehicle, or to the individual, but usually it's not as bad as it could have been if there wasn't a guardrail in place. So why are you getting an education on guardrails this morning? The, the reason is because we understand that, that we need guardrails more than just on the roadways of life. We need guardrails in our lives so that we can avoid regret that could take us into disaster. We'll say it this way. Our greatest regrets could have been avoided if we would have had some guardrails in life. You agree with that? Over the next few weeks, we will be looking at the benefits of having guardrails in life and we'll consider uh, some of the, the kinds of guardrails that can be established to direct us, that can protect us from straying into disaster and regret. This is a series that is developed by Andy Stanley. Um, for the most part, what you're going to be hearing is from him. Um, he's developed it over the last several years. But I'm reteaching his material because I believe that we can benefit greatly from this understanding of having guardrails in our lives. So, what we're talking about when we talk about guardrails in this context is this it is a personal standard of behavior that becomes a matter of conscience. It's the kind of thing that, uh, that we may say, the Bible doesn't specifically call this a sin. The Bible doesn't necessarily say this is right or this is wrong. But we, we recognize that 
that, that maybe we need to put a guardrail in place so that it doesn't turn into sin, okay? It's that sort of thing that we're talking about. I'm going to set up, what we're saying is we'll just set up some, some boundaries that for me personally will help direct me, help protect me from potential disaster. It's personal conviction. It's the kind of thing that if I know I bump up against, all of the lights in my conscience start going off. And I say, okay, you're getting too close to the edge. You know what I'm talking about there? Personal conviction. We all need guardrails in life. The problem is that culture doesn't encourage guardrails. Culture doesn't really encourage much in the way of rules of, of any kind and, and seems to especially frown on personal convictions. Is that true? Have you seen that? Culture seems to be content with painted lines. Not guardrails. They, they're content with suggestions. So if, if you start establishing some guardrails in your life, understand that culture isn't going to praise your decisions. They won't encourage you in your personal convictions because we live in a culture that has gray lines. Here are some examples of, of some of the painted lines, perhaps, that we hear in culture. Here's one. Drink responsibly. Okay, that's a painted line. Uh, it seems like maybe a good thing to say, but what does it really mean? Does it mean don't drink too much? Well, how do you know when too much is too much? Where is that line? That's a gray line. Does it mean uh, don't drive drunk? Well, if you are already to that point where you're drunk, you, are you really able to make those responsible decisions? What does drink responsibly even mean? That's a painted line. That's easily crossed. Okay? Culture has recognized in saying this that there are some dangers surrounding alcohol. So we have this unobtrusive, unassuming warning, a painted line, drink responsibly. Are we connected with this? Okay? Here's another one that we might hear in regard to sex. Wait until you're ready. What does that mean? I mean, and, and when do you know when you're ready? Because if you ask uh, uh, any male who is full into puberty, they would tell you probably they're ready. You know? What does this mean? Wait until you're ready is a dangerous painted line. It gives some direction perhaps, but it is easily crossed. When you bump up against a guardrail on the other hand, you feel it immediately. It might not feel good when your conscience lights up. You know, when, when you're thinking you're in a place that you shouldn't be, back away from the edge. But it's much better to feel the bump of your conscience than to plunge over the edge into disaster. But culture resists guardrails. Culture teaches you, what, to, to follow your heart. Anybody else believe that is some of the most terrible advice out there? Follow your heart. 
Maybe that's kind of a, a painted line. The heart is deceitful above all else. Who can understand? That's what the Bible says, right? Beware of following your heart. Culture doesn't encourage guardrails. It, it resists guardrails. But at the same time, culture shames us and mocks us when we end up in the ditch. When we end up in the ditch financially or morally or, or in our marriage. If you establish some rules for your life, you probably won't be the most popular person at work. You probably won't be the most popular person at school. You may not even be the most popular person in your own home. But if you establish some guardrails in your life, I promise you that you will have fewer regrets in your life. So let's jump into, into the scriptures. Ephesians chapter 5 is where we're going to be today. And it begins in verse 15 saying these words, be very careful then how you live not as unwise, but as wise. That word live there is literally the word walk. Be careful how you walk. I want you to consider if you are coming, coming up to, maybe you've had a hiking experience down in Kentucky or something like that, you come up to, you, you come up to this cliff edge. And you just walk up right up to the edge. Are you still safe? Now, is that right or is that wrong? See, we could say, well, I'm perfectly right in doing this. But we would say you are perfectly unwise in doing that. You see the difference? Okay, so I think sometimes it's more helpful rather than saying, is this right or is this wrong? Black, white. Is this right or is this wrong? Sometimes we need to ask the question. It's more of a clarifying question. Is this wise or is this unwise? In light of my past experiences, my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing for me to do in this situation? You tracking with that? He goes on to say, this is Paul, the author is saying this, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Some would translate this redeeming the time. The idea behind uh, our wise and unwise decisions is, is it's directly connected to how we spend our time. Some of us, maybe most of us, if not all of us, wish that there were some experiences in our life that we could have a do-over on. We don't get that time back. Make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Because the days are evil. You can't afford not to be careful how you live, he says. Because the days are evil. Currently, I have two 15-year-olds in the home. One of them just completed driver's education. He's had his permit for a while, feeling a lot more comfortable behind the wheel of a car, and he turns 16 next Sunday. Thank you. Marion just said, good luck. But I have another 15-year-old 
who is just now, uh, just within the last couple of weeks, uh, started um, driving around empty parking lots. And he will very soon, it sounds like, be getting his permit so that he can get behind the wheel of the car. And, and, and what, what you learn, what you want to teach your kids is, you, you know, I feel very comfortable if I've taught them to drive, that they can drive well. But there are a bunch of other crazies on the road. And you have to drive defensively, right? You have to drive defensively because you don't know what you might come up against. You don't know if that, uh, that, that next car that's coming your direction has a 15-year-old driver in it. You know, you don't know that. You drive defensively. You live defensively. Be very careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, because there's a lot of evil out there. There is disaster awaiting you at every turn. Pay attention then, not only to what you're doing, but to what others are doing. You know, my mom always, always told me growing up, she said, it's not that I don't trust you, I just don't trust Satan. You don't need to be in that situation. It's good advice. You can't afford to be careless. Make the most of your time because you can't get those back. And the, and the days are evil. He goes on to say this in verse 17. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And this is kind of interesting here. He says, understand. This is the imperative voice, right? You, this is a command. You need to do this. Does that even make sense? You need to understand. I don't understand. You need to understand. I don't understand. You need to understand. Okay, I understand because you told me to understand. Does it work that way? It doesn't work that way, right? So what is, what's going on here? I think what we're supposed to get is that you already know some things that you're supposed to be doing. You already know at some level what the Lord's will is. Live into that. Understand what the Lord's will is. Face up to, acknowledge, be honest with yourself. You know some of the things that you need to do now to be where you want to be later. You know where you are dancing with regret. Dancing on the edge of disaster. Maybe you've even already had a couple of close calls. Paul is saying, be honest. You know, you know you. He says this because he also knows this. One thing leads to another. Is that true? One thing leads to another. Guardrails are put in place so that one thing can't lead to another. He gives an example of how one thing leads to another. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to. Let's just stop right there. And when you, when you read this, don't get drunk, and 
wine, beer, whatever kind of alcohol you want to put in. Do not get drunk, which leads to, how would you, don't say it out loud necessarily, all right? But how would you fill that in? Don't get drunk, which leads to. Some of you probably are thinking how your life would be different if your mom or your dad or your husband or your wife, you yourself, would have put some guardrails up in this area. You would have stayed sober or they would have stayed sober. Some of, you, some of you know where this leads to, or you have seen in society where this can lead. For some, do not get drunk is the guardrail. For others, do not get drunk is the goal. To get drunk is the goal for them. And it, and it seems like it's just all fun and harmless until it isn't, right? Right? And the woman gets punched. Or the vehicle swerves into the other lane of traffic. Or the college student realizes that that all of his friends can quit, but he can't. What if we said... In light of my past experiences, my current circumstances, maybe in light of my past experiences, my, my dad's past experiences, my uncle's past experiences, in light of my current circumstances and my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do here? What guardrail should I put in place? If you're a member in the Church of the Nazarene, You've got some guardrails that have been put in place for us. I love that about the church. And then then that's kind of one of the values of being a part of a church is because you have this, what what the church in the Nazarene calls a collective Christian conscience. Isn't that a great term? It's like we, we put all of our heads together, we listen to the Holy Spirit, and we say, this is wise, this is unwise. It's the Church of the Nazarene for years. I mean, every, all the way back. We have not had a position in regard to alcohol, uh, a position of moderation. We have had a position of abstinence. It's a guardrail. The reason we have that position is we say we will never have to deal with that regret if we say no to it all. <laughs> and you know What? Guess what? We get ridiculed for that. By culture, even by some within the Christian culture. But it's a guardrail. Now understand, we recognize that the, the Bible doesn't say don't drink alcohol. There's a spot where it actually says drink alcohol. Okay, remember that part? Okay, yeah, for your stomach, right? Okay, so we recognize that. We recognize that. It doesn't say that, 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 that you're condemned if you drink alcohol. What it does say is you're, you, you cannot get drunk because it leads to... But we also recognize 
that we need guardrails in life. As a church of the Nazarene, we take this stance to stand against all kinds of alcohol because we stand in solidarity with those who have been hurt by alcohol. That's our stance. That's a guardrail, okay? You're getting the idea of what a guardrail is? It's not, it's not this is right or wrong. This is wise versus unwise. And we choose to be wise. Okay? Maybe you've noticed that culture laughs at those who refuse to drink, but they are also quick to shame those who don't know how to stop. Abstinence from alcohol hasn't killed me. But it might have saved me. I don't know. It might have saved others. It is a guardrail I have established that has eliminated any possibility of regret in that area. I want you to hear, and we'll talk about this more next week. I don't want you to hear that I think that you should say no to all alcohol necessarily. I am saying that that's, that's a guardrail I have put up that I'm very thankful for because I think it's a wise decision. Very wise decision. Okay? We'll talk more about that next week. Where does the Bible say that drunkenness will lead? It says that it will lead to debauchery. That's a word you probably haven't used yet this week, right? Uh, What does that even mean? The the dictionary defines debauchery this way, extreme indulgence in bodily pleasures and especially sexual pleasures. Don't get drunk, which leads to sexual indulgence, it's saying. Put a guardrail in place so that you don't lose control and end up in regret. It's Guardrails, understand this, safeguard us from handing over control of our lives to someone or something else. That's what we're talking about here. The control, it's a control thing. Sin wants to be your master. There are other things that want to be your master that perhaps aren't sinful. Hobbies can become your master. Right? And you say, well, well that's, that's not a sin. How's that even? Well, Paul actually had a church that was giving him this argument. And, and they, were saying, they were saying things like this. I have the right to do anything. And he says, yeah, you say that, but not everything is beneficial. <laughs> not everything is wise. Right? And then they, they, he comes back with, with another, another, another way of looking at, this, looking at this. They say, I have the right to do anything. And he comes back and says, but I will not be, say the word, mastered by anything. I will not be mastered by anything. Guardrails safeguard us from handing over control of our lives to someone or something else. Do not get drunk on wine. Do not get drunk. Instead, what does he say? Instead, and up, up to this point, up to this point, you know, if, if you're not a Christian, 
you can look at this, you can hear this and say, wise, unwise, right, wrong. Okay, I get this. This is kind of common sense. Guardrails, it makes sense. You put this up so that you don't, you know, and you're lighting up your conscience so that you're not. And this all makes sense. But at this point, Paul kind of infuses this whole argument with, with the one who has changed his life. And so he says, instead of giving control to anything or anyone, whatever it might be, alcoholism or workaholism or greed or hobbies, an affair, a person, rather than giving control to whatever, instead be filled with the Spirit. Submit your life to God. Let him protect you from regret. Let him direct you on what the Bible calls the the highway of holiness. He directs us. He protects us. Get to know his voice and submit your life to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. We've all been given this conscience, right? We get that. That's, that's part of what we talked about a, a few weeks ago, God's preventing grace, his prevenient grace. He gives us his conscience. It's, it's his Holy Spirit that's already at work in us trying to tell us, no, don't go that way. Don't go, go this way. And we have the Holy Spirit. When we submit to his Holy Spirit, our consciences really, they, they're, they're like on hyperdrive. When we say, I want you, God, to help me, we can walk into a situation and we'll hear the Holy Spirit say, nah, uh, 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 uh. Thank you, Lord. Uh, 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 right? Thank you, Lord. And we're listening to the promptings of the Holy Spirit and he guides us and he directs us and he protects us. That's living filled with the Spirit. That's God's intention for you and for me. To live with him and let him completely fill us and saturate us. I'm going to invite Pastor Mark to to just come to the piano. I believe this. That the more we learn to submit our lives to the Holy Spirit, the more regrets we'll avoid in life. I believe that. I've seen that in my own life, in lives around me. Here's here's what he says, just in review. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as, as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Be filled with his spirit. So that you can say, I, I, I know what I'm supposed to do here. Thank you, Jesus. And you walk in 
paths of safety. Let's not see how close we can get to the edge without falling off. Let's see how close we can stay to the center, the very center of his will. Guardrails are important. And we know that, I think. Nobody plans to wreck their life any more than they plan to wreck their car. No one plans to wreck their career. No one plans to wreck their marriage, their health, their body. We just fail not to plan, right? We fail to plan. That's what I'm trying to say. Guardrails are how you plan not to wreck your life. It's a plan to avoid regrets in life. It's, it's how you set yourself up to walk wisely. And you may say you, you, you want to walk out of here and say, I'll be careful. That's a painted line. Guardrails are how you be careful. You'll find that it's much easier to discern God's will with guardrails than without. And the reason for that is this. Stepping away from what can harm you is a step toward the one who loves you. This isn't about becoming better people. This is about becoming surrendered people. 